from Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm your host, Amanda Icone. So what's on the minds of Ernst & Young's tax clients around the world? Oh, you know, just Brexit, digital taxation, trade wars. This week, I caught up with Kate Barton, who is EY's Global Vice Chair for Tax and Legal Services. We spoke about the rapid pace of tax law changes around the world and what it all means for the firm's clients. We also spoke about the firm's plans for its fast-growing legal-managed services. And Kate talked about her diversity at the firm and her approach to hiring and supporting women's career goals. Thanks for joining me today, Kate. It's wonderful to be with you, Amanda. How has your typical workday changed over the past year or so? There's been a lot happening on the tax front. I just wonder, have the, the nature of your meetings changed? Has your travel schedule changed a lot? Are, are your clients demanding different things of you? If you look back over the last year or two, how has your day changed? Sure, and some of this is because my role at EY has changed also. So I used to run the America's Tax Practice, which was a, you know, a, a smaller business than what I'm running right now. Now I'm running, I'm the global vice chair of tax for EY. So I really have as my responsibility over a $10 billion business, uh, 57,000 people. So, you know, my role in geography has expanded. So I'm finding that personally, I'm spending a lot more time in airplanes, going to big client pitches, pursuits, I'm helping our local practices around the world be joined up, executing on a single global tax strategy, which is so important. Our clients are really demanding that we serve them seamlessly all through the world, and that's what they're looking for. So, you know, tax reform and all of the changes in the law creates a lot of uncertainty, and our clients want to meet with uh, people that are in the know. They want to hear perspectives. They expect us to bring insights from other companies and comparable industries. And so the demand for our service is a, at really an all-time high. And so uh, the future is bright for tax professionals, but it's difficult for businesses to navigate through this geopolitical uncertainty. And they're looking for uh, folks they can trust just for comfort in some instances, you know, just help us understand how you're looking at this. So it's um it's an interesting time. What are your clients' biggest concerns? I mean, is there one or two questions you're getting over and over again that they're really focused on or struggling with? Well, there's a lot right now that companies are focused on. I think, you know, they continue to look at the macroeconomic trend. Everybody wants to know what uh, is everyone's predictions on. Are, are, is the U.S. economy going to go into a recession? You know, what would cause that? What would happen if that happens? From a tax perspective, you know, what's going to happen in the 2020 election in the United States? That's important. Everybody is trying to predict uh, how that might, um, you know, come out. And so that's one. And then, you know, companies are operating globally. So you've got the U.S., but everyone wants to understand the U.S.-China trade flow that has a big impact on both countries' economies and really the global economy And so is this deal going to go forward? Is it enough uh, to declare victory for both sides and hopefully deal with some of the deeper issues in the days to come? So that's important. People are asking us about Brexit, what's happening there. So they want to understand, does Jeremy Corbyn have a chance to get into office? If so, what are his tax policies? And so and then, you know, so many other countries around the world are having changes. We have major reform in Mexico. 
uh, you know, pretty decent sized reform in India. Other countries are, are looking at reforms on the tax side as well. So we just haven't seen this kind of level of tax change in, in you know, really um, in my lifetime. I just don't think we've ever seen the pace of legislative change. That's really interesting. I mean, any idea what's driving that? I mean, the, the pace of the change. Yeah, I do. I think that um, one out of three government elected officials around the world, we did an interesting study at EY where one out of three elected officials have changed office in the last three years. So that's kind of interesting. I don't think that we've seen that many heads of a country like the president, prime minister, or whoever is the elected official in the country, one out of three have changed. And one of the things that we've observed is the first thing they do is they go to their tax code for their country and they basically uh, change it so that they can fulfill their campaign promises. And so it's causing a lot of change. Clearly, also, um, the 2015 BEPS 1.0 has also been an initiative that many countries are trying to implement around the world because, remember, the OECD issues these uh, papers and um, BEPS stands for Base Erosion Profit Sharing uh, they issued a, a a paper which was guidelines, and you know, 140 countries around the world are looking to adopt the the rules that came out of uh, BEPS 1.0. Uh, as you probably know, there's another effort that's looming right now where um, it's more focused on uh, the digital world, and uh, that could cause more legislative changes in the days ahead. Well, since you mentioned it, let's talk about the OECD's project on digital taxation. The focus of that debate so far has really been on the tech giants like Google and Facebook and Amazon. But but this could have an impact on, on any multinational company, right? So what are your clients asking about in regards to that? And what are their concerns at this point? Right. Well, the what we're calling BEPS 2.0 is uh, the efforts that are underway. So a lot of work happening in Paris, but really around the globe, because many companies are visiting the OECD and trying to get their voice heard, as really the OECD takes a look at, at an issue of how do we tax companies, all companies, in a digital world that we live in. So they felt like great um, strides were made with BEPS 1.0, but we really need a, a honed-in project on the world of digital taxation as, as companies look to uh, get their products, goods and services into different markets. What should be the return for markets? You know, who should have the taxing rights is at issue. And then if you do get the taxing rights, how much profit should be allocated to the marketing intangibles and really the distribution of one's products or, or digital services? So. Uh, that's kind of what's at issue. And uh, so there's two pillars. If you um, want to get a little more technical on BEPS 2.0, pillar one really goes to um, who should have the taxing rights and then the transfer pricing or profit allocations associated with those taxing rights. And at heart, at the heart of it is they want to give more rights uh, to the country that has the big consumer bases and even if a company doesn't have physical presence, uh, they could arguably have an economic presence and be subject to tax in that country. And then what's the right rate of return for that, you know, that distribution activity? And then the second pillar is going to deal with global minimum taxes. You probably have heard in U.S. tax reform mm -hmm. for corporations, there's these concepts that 
really are, you know, global minimum taxes. They're called guilty and the beat tax. They kind of go hand in hand in a clever way. And so those are being looked at uh, globally, should there be, you know, a global mandate to sort of follow what happened in the United States. So those are the big issues. I mean, a lot of these especially around the transfer pricing rules, are big departures from the arm's length standard. So this would be quite a big change in the global standard of taxation. So much to watch, and everybody has a point of view, and uh, the OECD is trying to sort through this and uh, come up with a global standard. And so that's where um, we're all avidly looking at and uh, very conscious of. Do you think that we'll get any clarity from the OECD next year? I know they're they're aiming for for next year, but do you think we'll actually see it? Well, I feel like they're working really hard. The white paper that came out on Pillar 1 was pretty thorough, and our clients are digesting that now. They've told us that um, sometime in November we'll get the draft paper for Pillar 2. And so if that comes forward in that, that time frame, that would probably be enough time for them to hit each of their objectives. So they're working you know, against a timeline, and and they seem to be going very quickly. I would just remind you, though, that these are, in fact, guidelines, and then 140 countries have to read these and then legislate their own country legislation that would mirror this. And that's where um, I find it always interesting. In a a world right now where we seem to be a little more nationalistic, it's, it's hard to imagine that everybody will interpret the same guidelines in the same way. So, um, you know, again, that's the issue with uh, how this works. So it'll be interesting to see what exactly happens. Well, you mentioned guilty and beat. I wonder, in terms of the U.S.'s 2017 tax reform law, what are the outstanding questions? What what are your clients still wading through? And, and how is that rippling through other countries? Yes. So I think our clients are still waiting for additional regulation packages to come out. There's still some unanswered questions. I mean, this this law, the 2017 legislation, was probably the fastest drafted legislation we've seen in ever. You know, I just don't think we've seen something this complex rolled out that was drafted in such a short period of time. And normally, a legislation in the U.S. of this magnitude, what would have quickly followed was what we call a tax technical corrections bill. And it did not come out. I mean, it was because that needs bipartisan, uh, you know, endorsement. And and that just was not available in the current situation that we're living in. So really, you had to rely on regulations. And there there are thousands and thousands of pages of regulations that have come out a huge chunk in June, some in the latter part of the summer this year. And we're still waiting on some reg packages that are pretty important uh, that are coming out. So so we still really haven't seen the full effect of U.S. tax reform because companies have, um, you know, put on hold what they need to do to their supply chains to make sure that they're fully complying because they needed the regulations in order to act. So I think there's still much more to come in the United States and, and globally as a result. Um, all these businesses, for the most part, are global in nature, so they need to, um, you know, to flow this through in their, its entirety. Uh, through their supply chain. So more to come there. Other countries really um, like what happened in U.S. reform. I was in India last week, and, you know, they too have reduced their corporate tax rate, sort of following the U.S. rates. So the U.S. rates dropped down, as you know, to 21%. In India, they've gone with the 25% rate with the special regime for 
manufacturing in India. And so I think that's interesting and that's not dissimilar uh, in a way to our FIDI um, rules, which are foreign direct mm-hmm. investment. And so that, that also gives um, a tax break if you're manufacturing in the U.S. and exporting. Um, more to come, but you know, just as one example. So I think there's a lot of uh, countries that are, that are, in fact, looking at uh, the U.S. reform as inspiration for their own country's tax codes. I want to talk about uh, legal services. That's, that's the other part of the business you oversee, right, uh, EY's legal services arm. This is a big area of growth for the firm, right? I mean, EY announced the large acquisition of Pangea 3 in April, uh, a legal managed service company. You acquired Riverview last year. I wonder if you can talk about how these companies fit into EY's service offerings and just how big of a slice um, of the firm are these legal services at this point? Well, our law strategy is very important to us. At the heart of EY, we're all about serving our clients, and we want to do that on a global basis, and we want to make sure that they have seamless service around the world. So EY is super consistent, and they can expect a high-quality service uh, no matter where they are, no matter what country around the world, so we can meet all their needs. What we're finding is a growing need by our multinational companies uh, for um, global law services. So you know, we will do their complex tax planning and, you know, try to help them as they acquire new companies or divest of others and, you know, that they continue to um, transform their businesses with so many companies are, are currently doing. So um, our law services are very synergistic with what the other services that we do at EY. We don't provide law services in the United States. And what we do do is law services outside the U.S. where they're permissible. Well, you mentioned that EY doesn't provide those services here in the U.S. Would it ever? I mean, there are conversations here. Certain state bars are talking about relaxing rules about who can own law firms or provide legal services. Is that is that something that the firm would consider? Would you provide those types of services here? At this time, we're really comfortable with our strategy, which is to provide law services outside the U.S., You know, that said, we constantly monitor the situation as you would expect a big firm like ours. Uh, We always look, and and so I I never say never, but I also um, am very focused on uh, what we have at hand, and and so we're um, very focused on executing on our strategy. I want to talk a little bit more about diversity and staffing and careers. One of your priorities, you have said, is to support uh, accountants as they navigate their careers. I wonder if you could talk about why that's important to you and how do you accomplish that? Well, I wouldn't be in my seat as the global vice chair of tax had I not had great mentors and also great sponsors. And so here at EY, we take a lot of time to make sure all of our people understand the difference between terrific mentorship, which is so important. You know, the people that coach you on a day-to-day basis, make sure that you're constantly improving, getting better, Uh, so important to a professional services provider. Uh, But you also need people from time to time that will sponsor you, take a chance on you to get a new level, a new responsibility so you can expand. And so, you know, I've been given a lot of that through the years, both mentorship and sponsorship. So I feel great commitment uh, to pay it forward and to make sure that the next generation uh, also gets that. And as a woman, a senior woman, uh, in our, our firm and in the business community, I feel, you know, a special responsibility to make sure that our women 
are coached and mentored and that they come along too, but clearly um, want to make sure that all of our people at EY have that opportunity. The, the diversity of senior leadership in the profession is something that accounting has struggled with despite a lot of effort, despite a lot of time. Um, there's been a lot of strides. You're an example of that. Um, Kelly Greer, your EY America's chairwoman, is, is an example of that. But there's also been setbacks, right? Um, there, most partners are still men. Um, EY this week just had a, announced it was canceling a training program because it was offensive to women. So talk about what is the firm doing well to to do what you just talked about, sponsoring, coaching, mentoring, making those opportunities for women? And what are what are some areas where it could do better, where it could improve? Sure. Um, our firm is is, you know, all about our culture. I mean, we feel like our people culture is second to none. And, you know, we we do everything we can to uh, keep that precious asset um, alive and well. So, you know, we continue to focus at the ownership level, which in our firm is an equity partner. And that is something where we want to increase the ownership of EY uh, with women. And, you know, I'm really excited about the strides that we've made. You know, from my business, um, uh, the tax service line, which is a big business within EY, uh, we have four business units in EY and I lead one of them. It's fast growing. It's, um, you know, it's a great practice. We're, we're leading the charge at EY in terms of um, female partnership, uh, which is really important. So I feel like we're doing that really well. Uh, the other service lines, our assurance business is doing terrific, our advisory business and our um, transactions business are all very, very focused on, on getting more women to ownership. Um, I'm pleased with the incoming classes when we you know, start with our junior accountants or lawyers when they come into EY, 52% um, of them are female. They're um, you know, doing amazingly well in school. And so we start off with great, um, great people. And the trick is to continue to grow them and make sure that they have the best experiences and that they continue to rise up in EY. So I think, again, we're, um, we're very focused on that, and I think that is going well. What percentage of the tax practices equity ownership partners are women at this point? Globally, we're at uh, 33% of our, our um, partnership are women. Um, each year's class that's been added for the last three years has been 50% women. So it's just a matter of time if we continue on this trajectory. Uh, that we'll continue to increase that as a percentage of the total. And so I'm excited about the trend line for the last three years. And, you know, as we continue uh, to move on, I, I fully expect uh, it'll be a nice uh, mix of both men and women uh, owning EY in the days ahead. Well, so you've been a hiring manager, right? You are a hiring manager. How, how do you approach your staff in filling positions? I mean, are there challenges you've encountered and being on the opposite end of making those offers and finding the best people? No, I mean, you know, I've always, um, I really care about the merits and I want the best person for the best job. And, you know, I also think I'm, you know, very schooled and making sure that if, you know, I have two candidates, I, I think sometimes people can 
make a woman uh, wait longer, you know, because sometimes women get uh, don't get promoted on their potential. They have to get promoted on their performance. We've all heard that grown up with that. But I really, um, you know, will assess everyone's strengths. And, and, you know, in some instances, this is where sponsorship matters. You know, give the nod to someone who I think just has all the right attributes and, you know, will stay close and coach and mentor them so that they can continue to uh, grow into the role. And I think that happens for men all the time. And I think we need to make sure it happens for our women as well. And so, again, I, I like I said, that's, you know, people took a, a, a chance on me and, you know, because I was I ready for every one of the roles I got at EY? Absolutely not. And, you know, but I learned quickly and, and had great mentorship and, and great sponsorship throughout the years. And so I was given that chance. And again, I'm very focused on paying that back. Thank you very much, Kate Barton, EY's Global Vice Chair for Tax. Thank you, Amanda. Great to be with you. Take care now. That's it for this week's edition. From Washington, I'm Amanda Icon. Cases and Controversies is all about the Supreme Court. Oh, come on. You know, come on. Well, I agree with you. Be serious. We sit down with leading practitioners and scholars to break down these cases. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up so I didn't have to. uh... (laughs) Oh, interesting. That That is interesting. I guess my imagination is running wild. Tune in every week for our deep dive and sneak peek episodes wherever you get your podcasts. As always, check out the latest at news.bloomberglaw.com. <laughs>